Welcome to this week's very special Dia de Muertos holiday episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me I have... Kit! Bria! And Flick! I hated you that. You may notice that we... You hated it. We, you may notice that <laughs> we are nervous. short a player this week for our special holiday episode, but don't worry, it's all gonna make sense soon. Last week, Kit got kidnapped by a dragon. Now, there's plenty of blame to go around, sort of, so I won't get into that, but sufficeth to say, Flick and Bria are safely in the node chamber while Kit is being carried away by a red dragon. On the upside, she does have the fire shield. Will she be able to escape the clutches of this dragon? How will what happens next relate to the Mexican celebration of our beloved departed? And will all you listeners stick around through the very end of the episode so that you can hear me talk a little bit about a little bit more about the history of Dia de Muertos and then to dedicate this episode? You better. I mean, let's find out. Hey, y'all. <laughs> yes, Hello. yes, yes. The answer is <laughs> yes. Everyone's Good. so excited. <laughs> I am very excited. Uh, how are we doing? Good. I'm feeling a little ghoulish <laughs> myself. <laughs> I'm feeling a little uncomfortable because you're all so quiet. Yes. Yeah, oh, you know is why? Missing. Yeah, something's missing. Yeah. <laughs> I've got something to question say. Question maker. I just want to edit in something of Bizdira going, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the most ridiculous question I could ask right now. Um, so, how would you say that pumpkins are related? <laughs> Two cats. <laughs> yep. You, what an excellent I don't know if it's, question. I don't know if it's the most ridiculous, but you certainly got up there. I applaud you. I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to come up that with one. one now to compete with yours. <laughs> oh, no. No, this doesn't have to be a competition. I know. It doesn't have to be, but all of a sudden I made it one. So <laughs> I am feeling very nervous about Kit being in the clutches of this dragon. I mean, you as a player might be feeling very nervous. Bria is has only just stopped screaming, I'm running, and has no idea what has happened behind well, the her. the fire is now put out. The fire that was... That's that's true. Who put me. it out for you? Uh, uh, was the it conjurer. Sniv? The Conjurer. Oh, the Conjurer. That's right. That's right. He almost did an acid spray on me. <laughs> right. As and then he was going to use a sp- watery sphere and then was like, that's a fourth level spell. I think I'll just pat you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Dear. All right. Well, I suppose since we don't have our question maker, we should hop in and uh, jump over. We're we're gonna go. We're gonna go to Kit, who is in the clutches of this dragon. Now, Bizdira, as I recall, was also in in the hallway, sort of with you, correct? When you got grabbed. I believe that's true. I think she had. Uh, yeah, we were both almost in the door, and she just barely beat me there, and the dragon snatched me up. Right. So for reasons, uh, I'm gonna say that uh, Bizdira has, at least for the moment, perhaps decided that maybe she'll try something different, and she's going to run down uh, to the node chamber to collect. F- Flick and Bria, uh, so that teamwork perhaps will get their companion Kit back, which I know is is a little perhaps out of character, but she's going to try it because reasons. Uh, so Bizdir is going to run down to the node chamber. So Kit, you are in the clutches of this dragon. It is winging away. I know we were an initiative, but we're going to sort of deal with this a little bit differently. What are you doing? Screaming. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep, that's a, that feels like a really excellent place to start. Yes. Um, I'm going to start trying to whack the dragon claw with my quarter stuff and like wiggling around so I can try to escape. I love that. I love that. You should definitely let's start with an attack roll on the dragon. Uh, and you are grappled but not restrained, so you do not in fact have disadvantage on the roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it may not matter. <laughs> this is this is going to go great. This is a great sign for the likelihood I'm escaping. <laughs> oh no. 
That's a that's an eight to hit the dragon that is holding me. Uh huh. Well, look, it's very scary. You're overwhelmed. Maybe it's got your good arm pinned in its claws, so you're you're whacking with your off hand. Now, uh, you but you do in fact miss. So I, I was gonna. I mean, you would have dealt damage, but I was also gonna sort of what? <laughs> that sounded backwards to me. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, I was just making fun of your accent. My accent. You went, what? Well, you just caught. So I went. Well, just calm oh, down. Oh, oh, oh. Take a deep breath and try again next time. <laughs> All right, so you missed, and, and you're not going to get the advantage that I was going to allow you on a, on an attempt to escape, but you're trying to hit it and, and trying to wiggle out, yeah? Yes. Uh, so, so go ahead and make a uh, dexterity acrobatics check, because I think that's better than your, your strength athletics. And it will be contested by the dragon's strength Roll athletics, so this should be fun. Roll a crit success. Her daughter is an Karen, idiot. Karen, you jinxed me. I'm oh, so no. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I think that's how, how bad is it? I was Did you crit fail? <laughs> Did you crit well, fail? I rolled a crit, but not the good kind. I oh my gosh. Because I realized after, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so you just can't get out of the clutches of this dragon. Hey, do you. Look, I don't want to tell you how to play your character. Do you have any wild shapes left? No. No, I don't. No, because that's we have an idiotic kicker. plan, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember no, that. No, it was a yes. very good plan. It was my fault. I'm the one who got captured by the dragon. Wait. I own all of that. <laughs> Excuse? It was such a good plan. No, it was a really good plan. Oh, I just man. was not prepared for the possibility of my dice to betray me, so. <laughs> I, I don't oh. know why not. Um, hashtag new dice for Kit. Um we're going to yeah. be starting we clearly a GoFundMe hey, hey, campaign. Hey, if anybody from Tabletop Loot or Level Up Dice or any of those dice companies listens, we are ready for a partnership. We're here. Or if, if any of our want- players have a, a dice, like just one D20 that's really good luck for that's them, true. they want to send it to me. This <laughs> is the uh, Kit <laughs> Terrible Dice Fund. <laughs> Car- dice for Kit. One, eight, seven, seven, dice for Kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the heck? Oh my god, I can't. Like, <laughs> so, um, uh, there's a dragon. Um, so at this point, you've made it all the way back up the stairs. You're on now the third level again in sort of that room before you enter guards level or can go across to get to Rithmala's area. So that's where he's brought you at this point. I'm in the, the lava room? No, you're before the lava room. Remember, you all went up the stairs and there's that sort of, that like little mini hallway that leads to both guard and Rithmala's sections. Okay, um, I think at this point I have recovered some of my... <laughs> some of my sanity and I've centered myself taken a few deep breaths absolutely uh before and I I know that I need to not go back through this door so right yeah that feels important gonna have a lot harder time escaping I am going to use my last second level spell slot oh and around the door uh-huh I am going to use spike growth so that I create a barrier of spiky ferns and vines so that the dragon can't go through. I love that. Uh, I definitely, uh, yes, I love that. Uh, not exactly how it works, but it's going to be how it works here because I love that. <laughs> she, yep, it mm-hmm, starts from mm-hmm. the bottom and they grow up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, you can so tell that, that this enough. is a newer spell to you because you went, I love that. I I just, I do. I love everything about that and I don't I do. really know what to describe in this moment because <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> oh, there's that accent again. Yeah. All right, yeah, so you do that which definitely, which definitely pulls the uh, the dragon up short. 
So uh, that gives you a little bit of time. You can see it sort of goes over and like tries awkwardly. It's got you, it's not the biggest of dragons. So it's got, it's having to use both claws to carry you. Uh, so it tries to like bite at the at the spikes, but that isn't working great. And it's trying to figure out what it's gonna do. Um, so why don't you, uh, so what are you doing next? And I'm just checking a few things here. While the dragon is distracted, I'm gonna try to escape again. Do it. Oh God. Dexterity acrobatics. A 10. A 10. All right. Let's see how the dragon does. <laughs> well, dragon rolled a two, which means it's a six. Yay. Uh, oh, so you, you don't struggle particularly well, but what happens is the dragon. Oh, I also need to see if the dragon's breath. Okay. So the dragon is trying and like with like it keeps trying to bite and it keeps trying to summon up like some fire breath to burn its way through them. Uh, but it just isn't able to sort of stoke the fires in its belly. And so eventually uh, sort of without thinking, you know, you get frustrated and like you just do something. So it just takes one claw off of you to like grab at the vines. And that is enough for you to break free. What are you doing? I am sprouting wings and flying the fuck away from here. <laughs> yes. All right. Sprout those wings. Fly away. Uh, Bria and Flick, at this point, Bizdira has come into the node chamber. We're hopping back to you. Has come into the node chamber and explained to you that Kit is in trouble. I'm Great. running. I'm I running. wondered what was taking her so long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to tell the conjurer to stay because he looks pretty broken. Uh, oh, he wasn't planning on coming. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to start running back up oh. very angrily, but I'm going to do it. Okay. So by the time you get like two thirds of the way up the staircase, you see uh, you see a shimmery light and Kit comes barreling down the hallway and into the stairwell, wings ablaze, flying down. In fact, Kit, how, I mean, I, yeah, Kit, what do you do? You see them. Run away! <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, ah! Yeah. It's so, just like so basically, Flick and Bria are just like, uh, what is that game? That like shooting game where you shoot the thing and it turns around, and then you shoot it and it turns around again, and you shoot it and it turns around again. Do you know what I'm talking about? That cut? Is this a carnival game? Yeah, Pinball? like a carnival game. Okay, like then I think game. I do yeah, yeah. know what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, yeah. I if this is a video game, I'm lost. no, 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 like a carnival game, like a like a fair. But anyway, so that's it's. I was trying to make a joke. When was the last time you were at a carnival? When was the last time you told a joke that landed? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> who was that too? <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Listeners at home, I think we broke DM. <laughs> oh, you didn't break me. I am charging up my rage. Oh, oh no. <laughs> fuel for the fire. So the dragon... Oh, reproduces by budding, and now there are three dragons, and they're fullest grown, and they come down and they eat you, Bria. <laughs> fullest grown. <laughs> I love right, you. Whatever. Anyway, you all run away from the dragon. <laughs> <sighs> you, you get to the bottom funny of the stairs. You get to the bottom of the stairs, and the doors back into the node chamber, which presumably you did not take the time to close behind you, are closed. Why? Curiouser and curiouser. I was the, dragon I was the is last coming, one in. Oh, the dragon's the coming, 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 coming. Great. I open the doors. 
We gotta get out. Yeah. Yeah. So you throw open the doors uh, and rush inside, and presumably, I mean, I'm making some choices for you, but I'm assuming that you're all running inside and then and pretty quickly flying. closing the door behind you, or flying inside, yeah, and, and then pretty quickly closing the door behind you. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Can, is there a lock on the door? Can we make sure to lock the door or put something? No, in front as of it? you will recall, you all had to sort of figure out ways to secure it and barricade it when you were trying to. Oh, remember that time that you were gonna consecrate the note? <laughs> <laughs> so whatever we did then, we yeah. will repeat that now. All right. Uh, you know, so you, you run in, you shut the door behind you, you do whatever it was that you were doing, uh, and then finally you're able to turn around and sort of turn your attention to the room. And in the few seconds that you all were out of the room, uh, Bizdira and Bria and Flick, uh, stuff has has changed in here. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> Kit. Quite. Kit's here. What? Kit and Bria and Flick. No, no, no. I said Bizdira on purpose because Kit had oh. never made it to the node chamber. Oh, okay. This time I did the right names. <laughs> <laughs> we're just so used to... I know. Sorry. <laughs> to me, Sorry. fucking it up. <laughs> God, I didn't realize that the Dia de Muertos episode I, would be shit on oh DM episode. Players and listeners, I would publicly like to apologize to oh, DM Jazzy Hands <laughs> for okay. any We're never and gonna all get through this. Clearly, this is going to be a two-episode special. Thrown towards him. Oh my God. Okay, so you turn around and things have changed. The light in the chamber uh, has dimmed significantly. Sniv and the Conjurer uh, are sort of standing in the you know in the room watching Robert rather curiously uh, and the conjurer turns to you and just sort of shrugs and says a few moments after you all left Robert stopped mid-sentence and began uh, setting up began doing this and you all look over and on that little workbench that Robert has uh, that they were stuffing the confetti cannons with before they have covered that workbench in a black cloth and on the cloth from from where you are standing which is i think across the room by the door at this point uh are several candles which are sort of shedding a, a dim glow into the room and you can see that there seem to be objects sort of all over the the workbench on top of the cloth and sheets of parchment uh you can't see what's on them but just sort of covering covering the uh the workbench and Robert seems to be sitting, which is a, sitting cross-legged, which is frankly kind of creepy to see, uh, in front of this workbench. And you can very, you can hear that they are saying something, but you can't make out what they're saying. I think Flick will head over because this looks like some sort of um, maybe like religious situation, like a like it maybe looks to Flick like he's prepared some sort of an altar or something, like you no, know, having be. his yeah, religious totally. background. So I think he's going to go over and not pat him or anything, but just kind of observe and look closer at the table. Workbench, I should say. Totally. So you look, you go over, and um, you can see on the table that the items, the objects that are on the table, are there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to them. Um, there's like maybe a shirt and maybe like a quill, an old ink pot. There are uh, just like little trinkets, like maybe there's a... a you know, a little necklace or a ring or pieces of jewelry. Uh, like I said, no real rhyme or reason as far as you can tell to what the objects are. The parchments you can see have drawings on them. Drawings of, of individuals. They're not particular, particularly well drawn. Whoever drew them uh, doesn't have the artistic talent of some people. Bria. 
<laughs> but they they are definitely uh, individuals and like pretty specific ones. Like if you look a little more closely, you can see that like there are certain identifying factors about each of the drawings. Like there are some there are some specifics that are drawn on these like sort of uh, basically stick figures, right? Uh, that sort of seem to to indicate that they are individual people. And you can hear Flick. You can hear a little bit better what Robert is saying. And before I tell you what Robert is saying, uh, Bria and Kit, what are y'all doing? I think I'm gonna go over because this is clearly not a good time um so i'm and i'm gonna refrain from saying that um but i'm gonna go over as well to see what's happening and get a gauge of like depending on what he says maybe try to be like hey buddy like like enjoy yourself but we gotta skedaddle we gotta get out of here (laughs) right so as you all walk over kit uh, flick what you're hearing uh, and what you can all eventually hear as you get a little bit closer is Robert reciting a a list. And what you hear in this moment is Robert saying, Mira, Joba, Kaya, Firin. And just sort of a list like that. Is he Arya? Did he murder them? <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> what are you all doing? I think I might very gently be like, Hey, we gotta go. Sure. Uh, so as you as you say that, uh, Robert sort of starts a little bit and pauses in their recitation of this list uh, and looks over to you all, and all of their faces get sort of creepy grins on them. To be fair, it's a little bit creepy to just see them smile in general, and they don't stand up, but they turn to face you and say, "Oh." Y'all are back, just in time. Would you like to join me? Uh, for what, pray tell? Oh, well, for the remembrance ceremony, of course. The what? The uh, faces of Robert spin, and one of the other ones says, um, Remembrance ceremony, an observance and a holiday from the old world. Each year on this day, I have been programmed to remember those who came before, to build an altar to them, and joyously remember their lives with us. Score one for Flick for the altar thing. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, we're in a bit of a rush, I think. Um, but like, I will. Flick will also look to his friends and kind of like gesture, I'm like this seems really important. Like, yeah, we gotta. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Gotta get um, out. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. And and Roberts. Oh, do you say gotta get out, Kit? I don't say it very loud, but I'm under my breath. I'm like, we gotta go. <laughs> Okay, so they do not hear you say gotta go. Uh, so instead, uh, they the the faces spin and you get another one that says, um, well, that's, that's all right. Um, if you don't want to participate, you of course don't have to. Um, but if you don't mind just sitting quietly in the corner, uh, obviously no one can interrupt the ritual, so there will be no coming or going until I'm done. It shouldn't be long now. Yeah, I guess I'll, you know what? Okay, Flick will... <laughs> I, I love many things, and one is how much you take on faith from me. <laughs> yeah, I will kind of look to my two friends here and make eye contact with them and uh, I guess nod a little bit. And then I'm actually going to go over and um, collect the conjurer, and I'm going to just grab his hand, take him over to the corner, and we're going to sit there. In the corner? Yeah, where Robert okay. told us to go. Okay, okay. Bria and Kit. <laughs> I'm going to say Sniv also goes with you, uh, Flick. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think that Kit is still recovering from her dragon interlude. 
Totally. Um, I, when I see that Flick is gathering everyone to sit in the corner, I'm going to say to Robert, will more hands assist the efficiency of the ritual? <laughs> Good. Uh, so the faces spin and a voice says, uh, no, I don't know that it'll speed anything up. Uh, I just have to get through my list. Uh, but if you all wanted to toss any names in or remember anybody of your own, you're welcome. You can you can do it while I'm doing my list. We don't have to take turns or anything. But but no, I, I got to do my own list. If we're going to be just hanging out here, I think I will start to, since I saw the little drawings, do much better, but still quick drawings of some of the people that we've lost here. Okay, so I have lots of questions, but the first thing is why don't you go ahead and make me, I guess we'll let you use cartography, so a dexterity cartography check. A 17. Ugh, all right, fine. So they're actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you, the next big question, who are you drawing? Um, well, Zagar is pretty fresh, so... <laughs> I hope Bizdira doesn't see you drawing Zagara. Why? Zagara was really helpful to us at the end. I'm not saying you shouldn't you shouldn't get Zagara. I'm just saying I hope Bizdira doesn't see you doing that. <laughs> You'll hear Flick from the corner say, Draw Koshak too. Aww. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think that after Robert invites us to say our own names, uh, and I see Bria doing these drawings, my heart has definitely softened. I, <laughs> Aww. Um, and say, maybe slowed down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's again, been a centering yeah. experience these yeah. weird last minutes after escape. Um, and I'll say, well, maybe we have our own people to add to your list. And I'll whisper uh, to Bria and say, and don't forget Meepo. Aww. And I was already like in the process of drawing little Meepo. Aww. Okay, so we've got Meepo, Zagara, Kashak. Anybody else? I'll start to draw what I picture the mage ascendant looking like. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know if we're going to add our fallen enemies, but if we're going to. No, but I will draw, like, I know we've lost uh, a good amount of kobolds, so I'll draw, there will be a lot of kobolds on there, but I'll write, like, Meepo's name above since we were closer to him. Um, Oh, I see. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, we, who is the other? There was another one. Didn't we lose Drinks' Tess? Tess, yeah. Oh, Tess, yeah. Okay, so Tess is on there. Love that. And any of the guardians that fell to, which I'm assuming Bria would know better than Sure, 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 sure. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, so, Bria, you take a few minutes to do these sort of sketches, because now it seems like you've got quite the commission list. And there are also little little trinkets, little items. Do any of you, do you have any anything, do either of the other two of you, Flick and Kit, have any, like, little items that you want to sort of put up there? I'm going to put one of the poisons that I took from Zagara. Yes, I love that. I mean, I technically, didn't we get the Shiver Scale back? You did. Oh, yeah. I guess I should have mentioned that, but, like, they're they're down there. Like, clearly, Robert retrieved them, and then, like, programming kicked in to do this thing, and they're just sort of on the floor. Sure. Well, I guess I could put the Shiver Scale on there, as long as it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it looks like if they really do do this every year, like, these items and trinkets clearly aren't going anywhere, because, you know, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, okay, great. Anything else? If we have anything from the tunnels, I'm sure we have something from the tunnels. But I'll oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, so I love that. So a few minutes later, you know, uh, uh, Robert has quite the extensive list, it seems, and just sort of goes back to reciting names as you're doing these drawings and collecting these things and putting them up on the, alpha, um, on the altar. And uh, yeah, so then what are you, what are you guys doing? 
So you've put the things on there, you put the drawings on there. Do you want to join him in a recitation of names, or do you just want to... I will go collect the conjurer from the corner and bring him over to where we are sitting crisscross applesauce on the ground. He seems sort of fascinated, but isn't saying much, uh, but is like watching all of this sort of very interestedly. But always by the hand. I always lead him by the hand. <laughs> so weird. Okay. I want to hold hands with whoever's sitting next to me. Me! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Actually, brilliant. Flick is next to her, but I reach across. <laughs> and then I use my other hand to hold Flick's hand. All right. So you oh, all are there. Nice. And you say your list of names. Kashak, Zagara, Meepo, Tess, other names. And Robert continues. And he's going on. Gota, Bim. And then you notice Robert pauses. They haven't moved. So you don't think they're done. But they sort of, they've paused. And there's like little clicking, whirring that they make when they're sort of thinking. And then they start up again, and they say, Bizdira. What? And then the they oh, sort Bizdira of did die. <laughs> they sort of finish the. There clearly Bizdira was the last one on their list, and all of a sudden the candles on the altar go out, are snuffed, and the room is in complete darkness. Uh, and you all, for a moment, because all of you have dark vision, so for the moment it's dark, but you can all see. And then the darkness deepens, and for just a second, you all are unable to see in the darkness. And then your dark vision comes back, and then the candles relight themselves somehow, and that's what happens. Let me have you all make wisdom perception checks, please. Kit. Now I crit. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake. Okay. Uh, Flick. 23. Oh, all right. Bria. 15. Okay. So all three of you notice right away that Bizdira is gone. And Flick and Kit, you two see on the altar, there's a new item on the altar, and as you look at it, as you notice it, as you look more closely at it, you see that it's Bizdira's mask. Kit, you, something just, you get that prickly feeling on the back of your neck as you're looking at the mask, and you turn around, and standing behind you, ethereal, obviously incorporeal, are some familiar faces. And Meepo says, uh, guys. And Zagara looks around and says, oh dear, oh no, oh goodness. And Kashak responds with, well, settle down, you two. Whatever's happened, it'll get set aright. And in the meantime, how nice is it that our friends have chosen to remember us today? Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy Hands here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be como una calavera de azúcar if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcasts from and leave us a rating and a review. We'll always read five-star reviews on the air as soon as we're able, and the more of them we get, the more visible the show becomes, and the more people we get to listen. Doesn't have to take more than just a few minutes, and it really does help us out a ton. Now, before I get more into our usual mid-tro stuff, I wanted to say a few words about the music in this episode. You may have noticed that the musical underscoring once the party returned to the node chamber is a little different than you may be used to with us. I consulted with some of my family members and found audio of various groups performing Pirequas, traditional music 
music from the Purépecha, a tribe of indigenous Mexican people that live in what is today the state of Michoacán, and from whom I am partially descended. This style of music is what my family listens to at the cemetery on Dia de Muertos every year. Though some of the pirequas you'll hear are sad and somber and slower, many of them are going to be upbeat and lighthearted sounding. It was important to all of us as we recorded these episodes, and to me in particular as I edited them, to make sure that our Dia de Muertos episodes really matched the actual tone of that holiday. Dia de Muertos is not a spooky or a spoopy holiday like Halloween is, nor is it a depressing, grief-filled festival, despite its emphasis on death. Rather, Dia de Muertos is a holiday of joy, of gratitude, and of fond nostalgia as we remember those who we've lost over the years, and so I did my best to find authentic Mexican music that would reflect that. Please do stay tuned through the very end of the episode for more information about the history and the significance of Dia de Muertos, and for a list of loved ones to whom the six of us here at TLR would like to dedicate these episodes. Okay. Back to our regular mid-show announcements. We do want to remind you, as always, that we have our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge to get access to all kinds of cool patron perks, like early access to certain episodes, character sheets for the PCs, and much more. In addition, by supporting our Patreon, you'll also be supporting multiple other content creators from across the Patreon sphere via our Patreon at Forward program. More information on the program and a list of the creators that we're patronizing are available on our Patreon page, but as it's the end of the month, I'm going to go ahead and read that list out to you now so that you know exactly where to go to find awesome content on Patreon. Through our Patreon at Forward program, we support the Patreons of Nat Rose, Variant Rolls, Taking Initiative, James Intercasso, D20 Dames, Serena Marie, and I Need Diverse Games. We're also going to be adding, hopefully starting November 1st, if not definitely on December 1st, yet another Patreon to our Patreon at Forward program, because you all have been so incredibly supportive and generous that we've reached the next tier of giving for that program. And now it is time, speaking of you all being generous and giving, for us to take a minute to recognize some of you, our awesome patrons, and thank you for your support. Thank you so much to our honorary party members, Tanya, Sir Mox the Magnificent, Matthew Allen, and Shimmy Gangot, and to our Shimmerscale tribe leaders, Eugenio, Eliahu of Merck Grove, and Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge. Of course, since it is the end of the month, we also want to thank our Shimmerscale council members, Sabria Alston, Nat Rose, Tony A. Ellis, The Geekery, Lucas Hokum, Steffi Bernard, River Daniel, Stephen Mosley, Verpio, Kin, and Jacob Finkel. Thank all of you for making it possible to do what we do here at The Last Refuge. If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much, much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron today. We want to thank BattleBards for providing some of the fantastic music that you usually hear on our show. You can check out their awesome library at battlebards.com. We also use some of Scott Buckley's amazing scores, which you do hear in this episode. You can check out his website at Scott buckley.com.au If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links that you can find on our website and here in the episode notes when you shop there so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. We also want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. 
Okay, now some where-can-you-find-us announcements. Both of my new stream games have started up on the Variant Rolls Twitch channel. You can find me DMing a super fun showcase of Wizards of the Coast's newest published adventure, Descent into Avernus, on Saturday mornings from 9.30am to 12.30pm Eastern Time. Then, on Mondays from 9 to 11pm Eastern Time, I'm the GM for a game of Overlight, a beautiful kaleidoscopic fantasy role-playing game published by Renegade Game Studios. Both of those shows are at Twitch tv slash variant roles and we post the videos of those sessions to the youtube channel youtube.com slash variant roles as soon as we're able and if you want to see us in person kit flick story consultant robert and i will all be at pax unplugged in philadelphia at the beginning of december i'll be on a couple of panels that i'd love for you to check out more details on those as we get a little bit closer and all of us will be around the whole weekend hoping to meet some of you all in person let us know if you're going to be at pax unplugged for sure okay that was a little bit longer than normal and i do apologize but thank you for bearing with me and listening to my little bit about the music in this episode. We're going to go ahead and get back to the episode, so happy gaming, y'all. Can we hug them? You can go to them. They definitely look incorporeal, but they're there. I'm going to try to hug them. Your me arms too. Go, your arms go through them, but they sort of, they make the motion too, and you can sort of fake it well enough. Aw. I want to hold Koshak's hand, or okay. act like well, I You am. can't, but you can act like it, yeah. <laughs> But then I'm going to ask, where's Bastira? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's uh, what's going on here? I was waiting for what's someone happening? to... What's happening? Robert seems to... Uh, their their faces, their starfish, is sort of very slowly rotating, and all of their eyes are closed. Uh, so that doesn't seem to be a good place to get answers at the moment, anyway. Is a Conjurer here? Uh, Conjurer's still there, as is Sniv. Conjurer has no idea what happened, and again, is just sort of fascinated by this whole thing. Obviously concerned that Bazdir is gone, but having a hard time not, like, being very academic about whatever's going on. Can he see them, too? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, they're definitely there for reals. They're not in your heads. So, Kashak says, well, um... What do you mean? Uh, where is Bizdira? Why is she not with you? Well, she, she just was disappeared. Right there. And now her mask is right there. And uh, Kashak goes over to where you're pointing and sees her mask and looks quite concerned. The conjurer finally goes over and sort of looks, finally sort of turns to you and, and says something useful and says, um, This is truly fascinating. There are, in some of our older texts, there are records of festivals and holidays and celebrations from the old world. And there are some mentions of this one. From what I know, which admittedly is not much, and from what I've just observed, and he sort of turns to the three friends, uh, to Meepo, Zagar, and Kashak, and says, um, I assume that the three of you, how shall we say, passed from your mortal coil some time ago? And they all sort of nod. And the conjurer says, well, if the stories that you told me are true, Bizdira spent some time also having released her mortal coil before she was brought back. Flick will say uh, a resounding yes. My guess is that whatever small bit of magical power was infused with this ancient ritual, of course, Robert is unlikely to have any magical abilities of them for themselves, but the words and the gestures and the ritual had some power within them. And it seems that Bizdira's in-between state might have been amplified. The presence of her mask and, and, and he picks up a piece of paper and this drawing, and you see now that one of the parchments has a fairly decent likeness of Bizdira on it. 
I think that perhaps wherever you three came from is where Bizdira is. We have to bring her back. <laughs> or can we even do that? Like, can we do that? Kashak sort of steps forward and clearly has been like being very thoughtful as the conjurer talked and says, I think that your new friend is probably correct. But of course, that means that she is in another place where we all were and I don't know how to get you all there short of, well, as your friend said, releasing you from your mortal coils. Besides, if Bizdira truly is there and is to be released, my guess is that someone will have to intercede with the gatekeeper on her behalf, and I can't imagine the gatekeeper granting an audience to the living. Well, could you guys help us? Well, I suppose we could. Nepo, Zagara, what do you think? He's gonna have conversation with himself. He's gonna have a conversation with himself. <laughs> um, um, I, well, uh, Mask Lady scares me very much, but maybe if we help her, she will be less scary. And Meepo just sort of grunts and nods. And Kashak turns and says, um, returning to where we came from shouldn't be difficult. Uh, I can still feel our connection to that place. Returning should be easy enough. So, Yes, I suppose after all that you have done for us in your way, I suppose it's finally time for us to help you. And so I will need the three of you to set aside your character sheets and use these what I am sending you now instead. Oh! And uh, so the three of uh, Meepo, Kashak, and Zagara uh, sort of close their eyes in this room and uh, our three adventures watch as their forms fade from view. And now the three of you will be playing Meepo, Zagara, and Kashak for the remainder of this episode. Uh, who's playing whom? I, that I didn't assign. Well, I was gonna actually ask the same question. <laughs> I mean, I have an idea of who should play whom, but I'll let you all decide. I mean, seems pretty obvious to me, but... <laughs> I'm playing Zagara. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. <laughs> I was closest to Kashik, I think, so maybe we should go with that choice. Oh, you all. Oh, you all. Does that mean I'm that- I'm Meepo. <laughs> yes, this is everything. I really hope you speak that way the rest of the episode. Oh, you have to. I actually woke up today with a deeper voice, so this is perfect for me. I don't know why I'm this also is... British. <laughs> <laughs> this is everything, and I'm obsessed with it. Okay, so- as the three of you fade from the node chamber and see the faces of Kit, Bria, and Flick looking rather concernedly on as the three of you fade away, uh, you eventually reappear, uh, the world reforms around you in a place that is familiar to the three of you as characters, but probably not as people. And this is a sort of afterlife. And the system of, of post-death experiences in this world are much more complex than this, but we're not going to go into that in this episode, so suffice it to say, this is an afterlife. And in this world, the three of you know that it is vaguely modeled after the material world, similar to sort of the way that the, the Feywild and the Shadowfell, the Shadowfell in particular, work. Um, there are similar landmarks. You can sort of get your bearings of where you would be in the real world. But of course, time and space are different, space in particular. You can actually see quite far if you want to. So as you look around, you could totally see vague images of far-off places, of other islands, of whatever. Um, you wouldn't be able to see much detail on them, but you could see them but getting to them would still take 
quite some time. But before you actually get the chance to look around at any of that, immediately upon your return, you see seated cross-legged on the ground, not too far from where the three of you reappear, is Bizdira. And she is on the ground, she is maskless, she has her face in her hands, sort of hunched over, and she is not moving. And as you look at her, you see that her form, whereas the three of you are fairly corporeal here in this world, she seems insubstantial, ethereal, incorporeal, and sort of fuzzes in and out of view as you watch, as if she's not fully there. Well, that was easy. Let's go get her. (laughs) Oh, God. Absolutely, I love everything about this. Okay, are we... I have a question. Mm-hmm. Are we walking? Like, are our feet touching the ground? Yeah, basically here, I mean, everything looks a little bit different. Everything is a little heightened. The world is is fairly colorful. Um, also, it's there are a lot of people around, like a lot of people. But again, time and space is not exactly the same. And so while you while there are people everywhere, uh, it's it, you never feel crowded or claustrophobic. Um, a lot of the way that we're going to talk about sort of space in this plane uh, isn't going to make a ton of like physical sense. Okay, I was just interested. Um, but for in terms of what your movements are, yeah, think of yourself as a, corpor- a corporeal person who's walking around in the world. Okay, great. I didn't know if we were like floating. I didn't know what was going no, on. No, no, no. Um, think of yourselves as like corporeal beings. Lovely. I'm going to um, sort of saunter over to her. Okay. As is Meepo, it sounds like. I'm going to hide behind Kashak. Yep, absolutely you are, Zagara. <laughs> And Meepo, it sounds like, is going over towards her as well. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. And I think I'll say um, in my best Koshak voice, which is the most general voice I think you've ever done for Correct. NPC Except ever. for me to be the conjurer. My friend, what are you doing here? She doesn't move or respond in any way. Uh, can I reach out and try and touch her? You can reach out and your hand goes through her just as uh, mm. your, just as the adventurer's hands went through you in the node chamber. Does she react? Not at all. Oh, crap. Okay. Well, Meepo. this just got a lot harder. <laughs> I looked to the ones behind us. Any ideas, you two? <laughs> Scary mask lady cannot hurt Zagara. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, I think uh, Meepo probably knows her best. So I think uh, uh, Meepo will kneel down to her and say, Bizdura. (laughs) (laughs) No, just Biz. 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 He would have called her Biz. Yeah, Biz. Hey, Biz. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) Ew! Ew, I hate it so much. Can you hear me? (laughs) She doesn't respond. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> Thank goodness, honestly. <laughs> what if that was let what me, worked? Let me have the three of you make uh, intelligence checks, please. Kashak? I am extremely intelligent, and I rolled a two. <laughs> Zagara? I am not intelligent. <laughs> intelligence? Intelligent, and I rolled a four. Meepo? I'm just... <laughs> I'm just okay intelligent, and I rolled a 10. <laughs> okay, so the 10 is enough to just remember something that Kashak said, which was that he thought that someone would have to intercede with the gatekeeper. I remember what Kashak said. Let's go <laughs> intercede with the gatekeeper. I am Kashak. You couldn't have told me. Straight up. <laughs> You're very no, smart, but you seem to have forgotten what I said In myself. the moment, you, look, I was gonna just tell you, but then you went over to her and started trying to touch her and talk to her. Why did I thought maybe if we got something out of her okay let's go to the gatekeeper reach out and touch me (laughs) let's direct we know where the gatekeeper is right you know oh yeah for sure let me have the three of you make wisdom perception checks please this is gonna go well i can't wait it fell off the table again 
ice needs to go away. Oh, well, in that case, let's start with Zagara. Zagara sees nothing. <laughs> okay, great. Meepo. I forget what we were rolling for. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom perception, you goob. Uh, 15. Okay. And uh, Kashak? He got a 16. Okay. So, uh, Meepo and Kashak, you two uh, see a couple of things. First of all, uh, you're looking around, and this isn't news to you all, because Meepo and Zagara, I mean, Meepo and Kashak and Zagara have been here for a while, but it's news to you as players, so I will tell you that you do see people everywhere, and of every stripe, right? You see Yuan-Ti and Kobolds and Orcs, uh, but you also see uh, humans and elves and gnomes, you know, clearly this is, uh, whatever this is, the, the people who populate it are here from ages past as well. What is a little more unusual is that you see that many of these people seem to be watching and or listening to things that you can't truly see. You can occasionally, you hear little strains of other voices, of other conversations that sort of seem to pass in and out of your of your notice. Occasionally you'll get a glimpse at at an image sort of floating in the air that seems to be of somewhere else. Uh, often there are people, often there, and every now and again, uh, Meepo, you catch sight in these little images of altars similar to the ones that Robert created in these little images. So you notice all of that. You also notice the two of you, you can see off, you know, you, as I said, you can see distances uh, if you choose to. And uh, the two of you notice uh, small little flashes of light sort of all around every every now and again, not, not super often, but every now and again. And uh, this is always accompanied, and this isn't news to you, but this is always accompanied by a new person entering this world. Uh, for the first time, and when they do, they sort of glow. They retain that glow for a while, which slowly over time, the longer they're in this place, fades. Uh, for the three of you, uh, I guess Zagara maybe actually is still slightly glowy. He was the last to die of the three of you, uh, but only very slightly. Um, what you do notice that is unusual and that you don't remember seeing before, though, is that way, way off to the east, there is a very bright glow and a lot of movement way off into the east. Newbies. Lots of newbies, it looks like. Way off, like, in past the edges of the TLR island. Huh. Well, I mean, we it's going to take us a bit is... to get over there, yeah? I mean, yeah, if you wanted to go there, it would take a, a, a good long time to get over there. Not as long as it would in the real world, but, like, still several several uh, uh, days, in quotes, of travel, right? Um, but that's also not where you want to go. Sort of at the center of this island, and, and you can see this same construction at the center of each of the islands uh, is large tower. And the tower is made of ethereal images of trinkets and pictures and drawings, very similar to what was on Robert's altar. Uh, and they seem to come and go and appear and disappear and shift and move uh, constantly. But they are creating this tower. And as I said, there's a tower on each of the islands. And you all know uh, that the gatekeeper... Uh, much like the rest of the physics of this world, is in many places at once and is generally in all of those towers at the same time. So all you really need to do is get to the nearest tower, which, since you all were in the Arcanium before, is actually not very far away. You're fairly close to the center of, of the island right now. Let's do it. Great, I think we should go there. Yes, I think you should as well. So, there you go, and as you pass by, you see, again, more of these little images. Clearly, this, this celebration is not completely defunct around the world, despite the fact that, you know, it seems like most of the folks on TLR 
uh, on the last refuge don't, at least the surface people don't continue to celebrate it, but clearly it is still a tradition uh, for some folks because you see all these images of people creating these altars and you hear voices and sort of communing with the spirits and remembering them fondly. There's a lot of, you know, this afterlife is not a perfect utopia. Um, so there isn't a lot of, uh, you know, everyone is not constantly super happy. It's also not a dark place. You're not in hell or anything like that. But today, right now, there seems to be a lot of joy, a lot of fond nostalgia, both in the voices that you hear and in the people that you see in this plane. So you all move through this world, which is so familiar to you uh, since you all have been here for a while, and slowly or quickly, it's a quick trip, it's a, it's a long trip, again, it sort of doesn't make any sense, but you eventually arrive at this big tower, and the closer you get, the more brightly the colors of this tower shine, and the more that you can feel a sort of comforting warmth emanating from it and sort of getting into your bones, and by the time you approach it directly, uh, you feel very content and comforted and happy. And presumably you step inside. Please feel free to interrupt at any point. No, yeah, keep going. So presumably you step inside, and in the inside is as colorful as the outside. More of these trinkets, you can you can look and see images of people, all different, you know, styles and levels of ability, but clearly all made with love, winking in and out of existence, shifting positions. And on the inside is an enormous spiral staircase, again made of trinkets and pictures, uh, that goes up and up seemingly endlessly. I'm going to start to head up those stairs. And so Koshak in climb. this world, I think, uh, doesn't walk very slowly. He walks very normally. <laughs> Got it. So up the stairs you climb for hours, seconds, days. Eventually you get to uh, the top of the staircase and there is a small hatch in the ceiling here that clearly leads to another room. You push it open and you enter the top of this tower and the top of the tower is a riot of flowers and colors. More pictures and trinkets, but now there are bright orange flowers everywhere. There are strains of music that were hinted at before, but now you can hear clearly. Sad music, but music, but the music doesn't make you sad. It is, it's plaintive. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It is clearly a lament, but it doesn't make you sad. Um, the top of this room is open to the sky, but the sky here is a black velvet curtain suffused thickly with little pinpricks of light, stars just thick in the sky above this room. And in, at the far end of the room stands a woman, and this woman is flush with life. She is bright and energetic and, and, and healthy and aglow. But you also see that where her heart would be, there is what looks to be a pretty serious wound, and her clothing is covered in blood. Um, and I will take uh, intelligence checks from all of you. If any of you are proficient in history, arcana, or medicine, you can add that, but otherwise just intelligence checks. Uh, Zagara. 11. Meepo. 17. Uh, Kashak. 20 adjusted. Okay. Uh, Kashak and Meepo, again, you both uh, can see that this wound actually, uh, there is a small dagger actually still embedded in this woman. And from the way that the wound was created and from the ornateness of the dagger, the two of you are pretty sure that this wound is A, 
mortal, uh, it is fatal, and B, it is ritualistic and sacrificial in nature. Uh, it was not a battle, it was not combat, but was done rather as part of a ritual. You watch as this woman stands, again, life and vibrant despite this vivid red wound in her chest. Her arms are outstretched, and what you notice as you look on a little bit longer is that a series of, it could probably fit in the palm of your hand, maybe a little bit bigger, uh, globes are floating down from this star-etched sky, floating down, and each of them has stars within it. They're black globes that contain anywhere from one to maybe a dozen little stars, pinpricks of light. And one by one, they float out of the sky above and float towards the woman who, with her arms outstretched, opens her mouth wide and swallows the stars. What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that Zagaro will say out loud, Why is the pretty lady eating the stars? <laughs> I'm not trying to be sneaky. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. As you say that, uh, there are a few other individuals standing in this room uh, that were so still that perhaps you thought they were statues until they moved when Zagara spoke. What you now see are not in fact statues, uh, standing to either side of this woman who continues to swallow stars as the globes float down to her. Uh, you see that on either side of her are two skeletons, two on either side, so four total. And these skeletons are all wearing these colorful, beautiful, bright colored gowns and wearing these beautiful hats festooned with those same orange flowers that are all around. And their skulls are painted in intricate patterns in bright colors. Uh, and they all, as soon as Zagara speaks, all of their heads turn inward to look at Zagara. <laughs> They don't say anything, or that's they don't say anything. They don't approach. They just know. They just seem to have noticed Zagara. Do we know that? And all of you, by extension. Is she the gatekeeper? None of you have ever seen the gatekeeper, uh, but it would stand to reason. I mean, you all can be fairly certain that she is, in fact, the gatekeeper. Yes. So I will turn to Kashak and say, "All right, this is all you." And Zagara will nod his head vigorously. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I kind of want to make him say like. What he said um, is he'll turn to the uh, skeletons. How many of sure. them are there? So there are four skeletons, two on either side of the woman. Two on either side. D- but she doesn't react. She keeps on eating She has stars. not reacted. She continues looking upward, arms outstretched, and opening her mouth whenever a globe nears. Uh, he'll get a little bit closer, start walking a little bit. And as okay. he walks, he will address the skeletons and say, is she, in fact, the gatekeeper? And with a soft sort of clacking and rattling, the four uh, skeletons slowly nod their heads. Would it be possible to dis- discuss some business we may have with her? And as you say that, all four skeletons turn inward towards her, and their mouths sort of drop open, and they reach their arms out towards her. And uh, you see, you watch as a globe that had just come from the sky and was about halfway to the woman vanishes. And she doesn't move, but you hear a voice in the room that very clearly is coming from her, despite that she has given no physical indication that uh, she hasn't moved at all, right? Including her mouth. She's not physically speaking, but her voice emanates from her and is clearly heard in the room. And she says, What business do you have? Why do you interrupt me on this most holy of days? 
pardon us, uh, but we, I'm, I'm starting to become flick. Listen to me. Um, uh, we have been, uh, we've taken on a quest of sorts. A friend of ours seems to be, uh, maybe you can help us out with this, uh, partially in this life and partially in the past life. You come to me for help, for aid, and yet you offer nothing to soften your interruption. Oh, 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 so he'll throw his hands up and say, sorry, sorry, so sorry. Apologies. Uh, and then he'll look back to his friends and say, what do we have to offer her? You can't, can you pluck stars from the sky? She seems to like them. She says, uh, she, she sort of sees, I guess, you turning and looking confused. And she uh, says, They are not stars. They are memories. They are fondness. They are love. That is what I am here to consume. And that is what I would have from you. You interrupt these holiest of days. Perhaps you can provide some memories of your own. About our friend? About you. Understood. And I think he'll look back to you two and just say, and just kind of nod and say, oh, okay, well, I think that's what we got to do. I'll start. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> do I have to do this in the whole voice? Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, absolutely you do. Uh, my first memory. I feel like I, I'm one of those, uh, I'm calling someone on the phone, like trying to kidnap their son or something. My first memory <laughs> is of sitting on my mother's knee. <laughs> I don't even know where <laughs> oh my god. Um, I think that while Meepo tries to remember their first memory uh-huh. of sitting on their mother's knee, I'm going to turn to Kashaka and say, We should ask Pretty Lady if she will truly help us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Very well done. Um, so I'll turn back to the gatekeeper and ask just one more question. If we offer good memories and fondness, as you like to say, do you think you would be able to help us return our friend back to the past life? You see, you can, again, sh- nothing changes. She doesn't She doesn't move. But somehow the wound becomes darker, the blood sort of darker, and the warmth and the vitality that once suffused her sort of goes a little cold. And she says, all depends on you. But yes, I have the power. Now you have interrupted my consuming of memories for long enough. Either bring me an offering or be gone. And that is where we're going to end it for this week. It looks like we're going to have a two-episode holiday special, uh, just like we did a couple of years ago for our uh, snow gift episodes. Uh, But for now, that's where we're going to leave it. So thanks so much for listening to this week's episode, part one of our very special Dia de Muertos uh, holiday special episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to listen next week to find out what memories these three come up with to feed the gatekeeper. Uh, You can reach out to the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at dndlastrefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. If you've got more than 280 characters to say to us, you can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, find out what cons we'll be attending, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D, you can go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. I want to take a moment uh, to talk a little bit now in this outro about 
the holiday that we are celebrating in these episodes, Dia de Muertos. Dia de Muertos is a Mexican holiday that traces its origins back to Aztec rituals honoring Mitecaquihuatl, the Queen of Mitlan, or the Underworld. After Mexico was colonized by the Catholic Spaniards and much of the indigenous population was wiped out, those that survived to remember and honor the traditions of the past were forced to adapt their rituals and holidays to adhere more closely to, and sometimes to hide within, Catholic holidays. Whereas indigenous peoples originally celebrated death in the late summer, the Spanish colonizers forced the day to be celebrated in conjunction with their own All Hallowtide festivities at the beginning of November. Though the two have some similarities, the Aztec tradition of Dia de Muertos focused on more of a celebration of the lives of all loved ones, rather than the Catholic celebration of the lives of the Saints Triumphant on All Saints Day, and the commemoration of the lives of unbaptized penitent souls in Purgatory on All Souls Day. Today, Americans have become particularly familiar with the tradition of Dia de Muertos, or El Dia de los Muertos, a back translation to Spanish that's more commonly used in the United States, because of the Disney film Coco. Though, as is often the case with Disney films, uh, some of the details of the holiday were exaggerated or even fabricated in the movie, it actually did a lot right, and faithfully and respectfully represented an important cultural holiday. I, for one, am so glad that Disney chose to hire Mexican culture consultants for that film, a practice that really should be more widespread than it is. In the real world today, families celebrate Dia de Muertos in myriad ways, both elaborate and simple. Traditionally, an ofrenda, or altar, is built, upon which are placed pictures of the family members who have passed. Sometimes items belonging to the deceased, favorite foods, and other items may be included on the ofrenda as well. The iconography of the Calavera de Azúcar, or Sugar Skulls, and the Catrinas, the skeleton women wearing uh, festive garb, are often associated with the holiday, as is music, though music plays an integral part in much of Mexican culture, so that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. My family celebrates every year, my family celebrates Dia de Muertos every year by going to the cemeteries where our beloved departed are interred and spending the day with them. We bring wreaths and flowers, pictures, food, and yes, often music. And we sit together at the cemetery, at the grave sites, and remember our loved ones and celebrate the time that we had with them. Though to our modern Western sensibilities, it can be painful at times to remember those we've lost. This holiday is not one of sadness, but one of joy and gratitude and celebration, which ensures that when the day ends, the mood, while often solemn, is rarely depressed. It is in this spirit of joy and gratitude for the time that we were given with our loved ones that we would like to dedicate these holiday special episodes to and remember some of those who would undoubtedly find their way onto our own ofrendas on November 2nd this year. These episodes are dedicated to Donald L. Tarvin, John Lethen, Homer Hupf, Ben Hupf, Chloe, Jean Rodriguez, Louis and Esperanza Rodriguez, Rick Rodriguez, Richard and Elizabeth Howard, Anat Nilo, Ada Bierensweg, Margie Hauser, Mayor Hyatt, Rita O'Regan, and Victor Fortino Vargasangiano.
As always, I want to thank Robert Hupf, my story consultant for this campaign, and of course, all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me, I have... Zagara! Meepo! And Kashak. Happy gaming, y'all. The train sound over the Skype sounds like you're being abducted. Because <laughs> you look up. You always look upwards. And so it's like, oh, what's, uh, what's going on up there? <laughs> They're coming. No, it's too scary.